to the book of Numbers, the fourth book of the Bible in the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. 14th chapter, we'll be reading verses 24 through 31. Numbers 14, 24 through 31. Amen. As we're finding the word, we're thankful for all of our guests and visitors being with us this morning. We're thankful that you've made it to the house of the Lord today. Hallelujah. I pray that you've come with great expectation that we might hear from God. Amen. 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 Numbers 14. This is the word of God. But my servant Caleb, because he had a different spirit in him and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land where he went and his descendants shall inherit it. Now the Amalekites and Canaanites dwell in the valley. Tomorrow turn and move out into the wilderness by the way of the Red Sea. And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, how, <coughs> excuse me, how long shall I bear with this evil congregation who complain against me? I've heard the complaints with the children of Israel make against me. Say to them, as I live, says the Lord, just as you have spoken in my hearing, so I will do to you. The carcasses of you who have complained against me shall fall in this wilderness, all of you who are numbered according to the entire number, from 20 years old and above, except for Caleb, the son of Jethanim, and Joshua, the son of Nun. You shall by no means enter the land which I swore I would make you to dwell in. But your little ones, whom you said would be victims, I will bring in, and they shall know the land which you have despised them. Amen. You may be seated. Oh, God, speak to our hearts tonight, today, through this word. Father, minister to us. Help us to be aware of how we come across, because when we, the way we come across represents you. So, Father, I pray that you speak to our very hearts, and I pray that we would be open to hear you. Use me as a vessel of your servant. In Jesus' name, we pray this prayer. you, bless you, bless you. Today we'll continue with part three of our series being your best you. And today we want to talk about the problem of attitude, the problem of attitude. Over the last few weeks, we've undertaken the challenge of dealing with some traits that can help us be our best self. This will enable us to be the best that we can for the Lord. And the scripture that we've used over the last few weeks is that we would do everything that we do as unto the Lord. Amen. And when we do that, then we can be our best for him. Amen. The reason is because he is our creator. The reason is he is the potter and we are the clay. The reason is he is the one that sees ahead. He is the one that has the master plan. He is the one that makes our lives valuable and he puts us here. So we need to uh, be our best selves so for the Lord that we serve. Think of a parent in this room who has a child, and it really doesn't matter to you if your child is good or not. Think of a parent in this room who has a child, and it really doesn't matter if your child doesn't put their best foot forward. Think of a parent in this room who has children and says, oh, well, whatever. You know, it doesn't matter if they put their best foot forward. It doesn't matter if they do their best. I don't care if they make good grades. I don't care if they try. That's the same. Uh, that would not be a, 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 the, the uh, approach of any parent in this room. 
And so it is not the approach of our God. Amen. He wants us to be the best that we can be so that he can get the glory from our lives. Amen. And over the last three weeks, we've looked at uh, getting ourselves together and putting some order and structure in our lives. There's some of us that are still getting ourselves together, still ordering things, still cleaning up, still putting things out. Uh, just yesterday, I think I was in the closet, and I was in the closet for a long time, and my wife said, what are you doing in there? I said, I'm just putting some stuff in order, baby. I'm putting some stuff in order. And so we, wherever we, whatever we have, we want to make sure that it's in order. We want to make sure that it represents the best that we can be. Amen. Then we talked about being good stewards of the gifts and talents that the Lord has blessed us with. And those two go hand in hand. Amen. If God has blessed you with, with resources, if God has blessed you with health and strength, then we want to be good stewards of the, that health and strength. We want to be good stewards of those resources. Amen. And so those two go hand in hand. Then we talked about having an effective prayer life. Amen. A prayer life that matters uh, to God, a prayer life that matters to those that we're praying for and praying with. And we talked about raising the bar in our prayer life, amen, so that we can pray big prayers so that we can expect God to do big things in our lives, amen. There's some of us that don't pray about some things because we just don't think God will do it. But let me tell you that God is able, God is able, God is able, amen. So there's nothing that you can need that God is not able to do, amen. And I'm speaking to each and every one of us, amen. And that doesn't mean it always feels good. That doesn't mean it's always going to be fun. That doesn't mean that it's going to always be easy. But guess what? The Lord that we serve promised to walk with us and to never leave us and to never forsake us. And then on Tuesday night, we discussed making good use of our time. And we studied the scripture that says, redeem the time. Every moment that we have is a blessing from God. And so we want to find ourselves making the best of those moments. Amen. We want to make the best of it. And so today we want to talk about the problem of attitude. One of the things that we want to talk about this is because some of us are missing the opportunity to be a blessing in the kingdom of God because our attitude might be lacking. Amen. And I'm not saying that maybe we have a general lack, a bad attitude, but those moments when we let that attitude overtake us, then we miss the opportunity. We might miss an opportunity to be a blessing and let the Lord use us. Amen. So I have a question. Don't, don't look at anybody. Don't point at anybody. <laughs> but have you ever met a person with a bad attitude? Have you ever met a person, uh, they, and, and it's like every time, <laughs> that's a big old amen, and <laughs> that every time they show up, you, we know it's a problem. You know, it's like, okay, well, what's going to happen now? Amen. And, and they're always grumbling. They're always complaining. Nothing's good. Everything's bad. Amen. They can take the biggest blessing and make it sound like the worst thing that has ever happened to them, amen? Many of us have heard uh, of those individuals. Some of us know those individuals. And my wife and I were talking the other day, and we were talking about when you make corrections to individuals, you want to make it, uh, you want to tell them something good, then you want to tell them, you know, the problem issue, then you want to couch it and finish it with something good, right? So you want to do that. But we find that there are some people that are so negative, they start with something bad, in the middle is something bad, and they end with something bad. It's just a bad sandwich, amen? And so we don't want to be those individuals. We don't want to be seen in that light, especially when it comes to relationship with our Heavenly Father, amen? And that's what we find in our particular scripture. We have some situations. The opposite is 
um, the scripture, uh, not the scripture, but we've heard it said that our attitude can affect our altitude. Amen. That if we have a good attitude, it can help you to fly high. If you have a bad attitude, it can bring you down. Amen. When you, we go on those interviews, sometimes what, how you are is more important than what you can do. Amen. The attitude that you have sometimes is more important than what you know or what you can do because we can always be trained to do different things. Amen. So we got to have a good attitude. We want to be the best that we can be. Amen. We have to understand that grumbling and complaining can keep us from not only achieving our goals, but it can keep us from being all that God wants us to be. Amen. The gifts that God has placed in us are only released when those attitudes are received. Amen. When we have an attitude where it can be received. Amen. You might have all the blessing, all the knowledge, all the skill in the world, but if nobody wants to receive it from you because they don't want, they don't want you to, the way that you talk to them or the way that you come across or, or to even be seen as a person who is uh, receiving that, then they might miss something. So we've got to check our attitude and make sure that it is a blessing. Amen. Our particular scripture that we're looking at today speaks to us about that. Amen. And our scripture is when the children of Israel are getting ready, uh, for, have been freed from slavery in Egypt. God has delivered them. He's delivered them through uh, his great mighty hand. He's enabled them to go through the Red Sea. He's destroyed their enemies behind them. He's taking care of them in the wilderness. He's seeing them through and he's watching out for them. He's making provision of everything that they need. And the children of Israel are thanking him by grumbling. They're speaking the language of grumble. They're grumbling going out, grumbling coming in, grumbling sitting down, grumbling standing up. They're grumbling and complaining about God. Why did you bring us out here? We'd have been dead, better off to just die in Egypt. We at least could have had some refreshments there. We're out here. We don't have any meat. We're out here. We're out in the desert. We're out here. We're having to face the mountains. We're out here. Moses goes up and stays too long. We're out here, and he comes back too long. We're out here. He's talking to us too bad. He's showing us everything is bad, and they're just grumbling and complaining about everything. And the scripture lets us know that God is not happy about it. God is not happy about it. And so we're going to use a, the scripture that we read today to try to see how God feels about this and to see how it can affect us. Amen. So God has done all these things and he's told the 12 tribes of Israel to take a spy out of each tribe and send them a, an explorer or a spy to send them into the promised land that God has promised us and go and check it out. Go and see if it will support good life. Go and see if it has all the great things that God has said that it has. Go and see if it's a place that's flowing with milk and honey. And so the, the uh, 12 spies go over and they check it out. They examine its resources and they come back and they are bringing evidence of what the land has. And they come back and they have grapes and pomegranates and other fruit that is so plentiful, that is so resource, uh, so fresh and so good that the grapes that they had to bring, they had to put it on a stick between two men to bring it back, put it on a pole. One person couldn't bring it back. I don't know about you, but that's some pretty good, that's some pretty good fruit, amen? And so they bring this back. And so they have evidence of how good God is. And um, 
I was sharing uh, earlier that there was a video that I saw this week, and it was a video of a mother who was talking to her child. And the mother was taking a picture of the child, and the child had, um, she, the mother says, did you eat the cake? And the child said, mm-mm. And she said, are you sure you didn't eat the cake? And the child says, mm-mm. She says, are you sure you didn't eat the cake? And the child says, no. And she says, what's that blue stuff on your mouth? <laughs> and the child says, mm-mm, I didn't eat any cake. And then shortly after that, the sibling of that child runs off as if I ain't getting in trouble with him because he's about to get it, amen? In other words, the evidence was all over his face. The evidence of what he had done was all over his face. And the evidence of what God had done, the spies were able to see everywhere they went. They saw the land was flowing with milk and honey. They saw the land was ripe. They saw the land was fertile. They saw it was great. And they saw that it was able to sustain them and to do the things that God wanted them to do. However, only two of the 10 spies, excuse me, 12 spies came back with a favorable report. Even the ones that had the grapes on their shoulder, even the ones that had the grapefruit on their shoulder says, yeah, this is what we got, but let me tell you, the land inhabits, and there's giants over there, and there's the, uh, the, the uh, Canaanites and the Amal uh, Amalekites and all those other ites are over there, and we got to be careful because we can't overtake them, and they look, we look small in their sight, and they just went on and on and on, and, and remember how we talked a few, maybe a couple of months ago about the problem of small thinking. They put themselves in a position where they talk themselves out of a blessing. Have you ever talked yourself out of something good? You know, God had something for you, and it was like it almost seemed too good to be true, and, and so therefore you didn't receive it, you didn't perceive it, you didn't think God had that for you. Or maybe you felt like you had to wait a little bit longer than you wanted to wait, and it's like, oh, I don't need that, I don't, I don't care about that. And so we walk away from the blessing that God has for us. This is the situation that we find the Israelites facing today that they have found themselves in a blessed place. All they need to do is cross over and go into it. But God, they've disappointed him because they had so much grumbling and complaining. And so we need to ask ourselves, are we like the children of Israel? Are we, you know, do we, are we so blessed that we are complaining all the way to the bank? Are we so blessed that we're complaining in our good, you know, situation that God is looking down upon us and, and de determining that we're ungrateful? So I want to go through this, and I just want to point out a few things that can help us to examine ourselves and ask ourselves, are we ungrateful? Do we have an attitude that displeases God in the way that we handle and appreciate his blessings? So the first thing is this, don't let man's facts get in the way of God's truth. Don't let man's facts get in the way of God's truth. God has made a promise to the children of Israel that he's going to bless them and give them this great land and that the land is going to have everything they need. And so he says, in fact, send some people over to check it out. And when they go over, they send some people, and this is what they said in Numbers 13 and 27. And they told him, it says, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified. 
They're very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. So they got one thing good and everything else is negative. Everything else they had to say was negative, amen? In fact, what they did was they let man's facts get in the way of God's truth, amen? And we've got to be careful because sometimes God is delivering us from something. Sometimes God is delivering us through something. Sometimes God is delivering us to something. But if we focus on where we are right now, it can keep us from advancing and receiving the great blessing that God has for us, amen? So we need to understand that sometimes God is doing a work. Sometimes God is allowing something to happen to us, but sometimes God is uh, enabling us to get stronger as a result of what we're going through. And the children of Israel, once we, we, we look at ahead in the story, we find that once they did get into the promised land, they still had to fight. So they had to be prepared for what they were going to face, amen? And so God allowed them to see what was over in the land. But what did they do? They got up and grumbled. They got up and complained. They got up and, and talked bad about God. They talked about Moses. They talked about Aaron and all that. And they talked bad about God. We've got to be careful that we don't let man's facts get in the way of God's truth. If you've had a bad day, consider the truth of not having a day. Consider God's truth. Don't let man's facts get in the way of God's truth. If we, if we, you know, I had cancer, but I praise God that I had cancer. Hallelujah. So I can't let my fact that I had cancer get in the, tr in the way of the truth that I had cancer. Amen. So we have, to, we have to understand that we don't let man's facts get in the way of God's truth. Amen. The spies were on assignment to determine and assess what was in the land. And they went over and they found it, these great things, but they focused on the giants that were in the land. Have you ever seen somebody, big old blessing right in front of them, but all they can talk about is the, ble the blemish? All they can talk about is the comma that was missed? All they can talk about is the T that was not crossed? We got to be careful that we're not those individuals, but that we embrace the good that God has done for us. And the truth that God has for us, amen? God says we are, we are blessed. He says that we are above only and not beneath. We are the head and we're not the tail. We are lenders and we're not borrowers. God has all of those great things for us. And so we need to embrace God's truth, amen? So when the spies went over, they saw the fertile land. They saw the good stuff that God had, but they focused on the giants. They focused on the walled cities. They focused on the, on the uh, uh, inhabitants that were there. They focused on what they were going to have to overcome to receive what God has. I wonder why is it called overcoming? Maybe it's because we have to overcome in order to receive it. Amen. God has that for us. So we need to make sure that we don't let the fact that we have to overcome keep us from overcoming. Amen. So they went in and they saw all this stuff. And so they, instead of focusing, uh, they were focusing on the facts when they should have been triumphing in the truth. In other words, what it looked like was in conflict with God's truth. Amen? Don't let what you see keep you from advancing to get what God has for you. Amen? 
And we got to make sure that we don't let men and women talk us out of our blessing that God has for us. Amen. Somebody might say, what you doing that? Oh, that's going to be hard. Oh, what you doing that? Why you doing that? Oh, nobody's going to want to talk to you. Nobody's going to. But let's do what God has told us to do. And let's revel in the truth that God has said for us. Amen. These situations often require an attitude adjustment. Amen. In fact, the scripture tells us the attitude we should have is the attitude that Jesus Christ has. Amen. In that when he went through his difficulty, it was for the benefit of those that he was going to bless. Amen. And he didn't, he didn't talk bad about God. He didn't do any of that. And even when we look at the life of Job, the scripture says that, they, that God allowed his children to die, allowed his cattle to be taken, allowed his house to fall down, allowed everything he had. But I love that the scripture says in all that he went through, he did not curse God. And I thank God for that example in the Bible. And so that's the kind of people we need to be. So, yes, first, don't let man's facts get in the way of God's truth. But second, beware that misery loves company. Didn't know that was scriptural, amen? <laughs> One of the things that we find in the scripture in, in uh, Numbers 13 and 31 is this. But the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw there are men of great stature. This is a different verse than the verse we read a while ago. They started out talking bad. They came back talking bad. They finished talking bad. Amen? There's that bad sandwich. Amen? And so they, they kept telling negative things about what was in the land. And they were trying to get others on their side. Because Stephen might have said, let's go and inhabit the land. They say, no, no, don't, don't. We can't do that. It's giants over there. Uh, we can't do that. The land devours the people. We can't do that, uh, uh, y'all. We can't do that, what Stephen wants us to do, because the land is, is too much for us. The giants are over there. What do y'all think? The giants are over there, you know? So that's what, that's what the people were doing. And so we got to be careful because misery loves company. When you were in high school, or maybe junior high, and there was a fight, how many people went to it? Except everybody, amen? But if there was somebody over there trying to help somebody, picking up somebody's books, how many people went to see that, amen? By nature, misery loves company, amen? We'd rather, uh, unfortunately, the news, the only news that we watch is the news that's got negative stuff, amen? Misery loves company. So we've got to be careful that, we don't, that we're not doing that. So we've got to make sure that we are uh, drawing a crowd to the positive things. We've got to make sure that we're drawing attention to the blessings. We've got to make sure that we're drawing attention to the great things that the Lord has done in our lives. Amen. The third thing is this. The little God in us wants to boss the big God over us. Amen. And I, I, I may have made a mistake. That should have been a little G on that first God. The little God in us wants to boss the big God over us. Amen. It was true in the beginning, and it's been true ever since. Adam and Eve in the garden, when the enemy talked to Eve and says, God, did God really say don't do that? And Adam and Eve probably reconsidered and says, hey, you're right. Why doesn't God want us to know this? Hey, you're right. How come God doesn't want us to experience this? 
hey, you're right. How come we can't have this? From the very beginning, Adam and Eve. And then the next persons that came along, the next generation, Cain, when God didn't accept Cain's offering, Cain got mad at God and decided to grumble and complain, and so much so that he killed his brother. And then as the scripture goes on, that the people at the Tower of Babel says, we don't need God. We could build a tower up to heaven, and we can become pretty mighty ourselves. So they didn't think they needed God. And then the wicked people at Sodom and Gomorrah, they wanted to have the angels and do detestable things with the angels. But God, and then uh, Lot and his wife, when they left, God, the angels told Lot's wife, don't look back. And what did she do? She had to look back. So we've been, the big God, the little God in us has been wanting to boss the big God over us throughout all eternity. Amen. And so now we find ourselves with the children of Israel out in the wilderness telling God what to do. And God is letting food literally rain from heaven. God is literally letting water come out of rocks. God is literally protecting them and shielding them and watching them and leading them by his powerful presence. Cloud of, cloud of uh, fire at night, excuse me, a pillar of fire at night and a cloud by day. God is literally leading them. Everything they need, God is providing. God is killing their enemies. God is allowing them to walk through on dry land. God is allowing all these miracles to occur. And yet, they got the spirit of complaining. They're speaking the language of grumble. Grumble, grumble, grumble. Grumble, grumble, grumble. And one grumbler is grumbling to another grumbler, and they're grumbling in harmony. And so we got to make sure that we're not getting in on it. Amen? So we, sorry, we got to make sure we're not getting in on it. Amen? But God is not looking, please. The scripture says that God is getting fed up. The scripture says that the people's attitude literally gave God an attitude. The people's attitude gave God an attitude so much that God said several times in the scripture in this story, I'm going to come down and I'm going to wipe out that wicked generation and I'm going to start all over. And Moses had to pray to God, please don't do that, God, because then e Egypt will see that you couldn't get your own people into the promised land. And so God relented and decided not to do it. But God was fed up. God was upset. God was mad because he had done all these things. And they did not appreciate it. And we got to make sure that when God does all the things he does for us, that we appreciate it. That we, that we receive it, that we accept it, that we love what he's done. And I was wondering, I was kind of thinking about this. I was wondering if the children of Israel loved complaining so much or whether it was they just hated to worship. I wonder if instead of worshiping God, instead of praising God, their language was grumble instead. Because those are kind of, against each other how can we the scripture there's a verse that says how can blessings and cursing come out of the same mouth they can't that and, and then I think it says that should never be amen so we've got to make sure that we're not uh, carrying ourselves in that way we got to make sure that it's not coming across in that way now somebody might say pastor why would you spend a whole sermon talking about grumbling because the scripture says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify the Father in heaven. So it's not just about us doing good. 
but it's about us doing good so that our light can shine and letting our light shine so that God can get the credit. So it's all about God, and it always is. Amen? And so when we grumble and we complain, then God said, he literally said it was driving a wedge between him and the people. And God was, God was fed up, and he had enough, and he was about to destroy them. In fact, one of the times when they were grumbling, God let the earth open up, and they just it swallowed them up. And another time when they were complaining, God let a fire burn around the, the, side, the, the outskirts of the, of the town, and it burned up uh, 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 the outskirts. And, and there was another time when God just let certain numbers of them die. Amen? So God is not happy when we embrace the attitude of uh, grumbling. We need to embrace the attitude of gratitude and recognize that this God who can let food fall from heaven, this God who can let water come from a rock, this God who can watch over us and protect us from our enemies, this God who can make our enemies run from us before we even strike up an, uh, uh, the first victory, he can do all of that. And so we want to make sure that we are living that kind of way. So the last thing is this. I was trying to figure out what was it about Caleb and what was it about Joshua that really caused God to, for them to be the way that they were? And what I, I think we've discovered is it takes an uncommon spirit to believe against all odds. It takes an uncommon spirit to believe against all odds. God in his word says that we are a peculiar people. We're not like everybody else. We don't follow the same ways and rules of everybody else. We understand God is the lead. We understand that he's our everything. We understand he's the key and that we need to follow and submit unto him. It's, so, we, so we need to examine the uncommon spirit that will cause us to believe against all odds. So Numbers 14 and 24 says this, but my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him, and has followed me fully. I will bring into the land where he went, and his descendants shall inherit it. So I think God is saying there's something special about Caleb. It's not, it's not just that he made a choice, but Caleb had a different spirit operating in him, of, of a spirit that followed God fully. This uncommon spirit has a name. It's called faith. This uncommon spirit has a name, and it's called faith. But the kind of faith that is needed to possess your promised land is uncommon. See, the kind of faith we like to employ is the kind of faith that really kind of cheats a little bit. Have, has some, anyone ever told you to close your eyes and, and watch what, and let me, I'm going to surprise you, and you're kind of peeping a little bit? Some of us are employing that kind of faith where we're peeping, where we got to see it first. When God says, no, just trust me, I got you. Yes, I know, God, I see it. I see it, God, I know you can do it. But we're peeping, we're cheating, we're not trusting it. We got to see it before we believe it. But the scripture says we got to see it before we believe it in the natural, in the spiritual, amen? We got to believe, see it in the spiritual before we see it in the natural, amen? So this is an uncommon faith. It's an uncommon spirit that that Caleb had, but it's the kind that would enable him to possess his promised land. This is not your everyday run-of-the-mill kind of faith, amen? 
This is, this is your out on a limb kind of faith. Amen. This is your they might laugh at me kind of faith. Amen. This is your it could cost me everything kind of faith. Amen. This is your me against the world kind of faith. Amen. This is your this could cost me my friends kind of faith. This is your they might laugh at me kind of faith. This is my this is your nobody understands kind of faith. But that's the kind of faith God is looking to answer. That's the kind of faith that God is looking to move in. That's the kind of faith that Caleb and Joshua had. See, this this kind of faith comes with consequences. Because if God doesn't do it, then it won't happen. Amen. This is the kind of faith that you're out there and, and you're about to take that step. And when your momentum gets to a certain point, if God doesn't do it, it won't happen. But that's the kind of faith God is looking to bless. That's the kind of faith that God is looking for us to have with him. Amen. But the scripture tells us that because Joshua and Caleb had that kind of faith, they were at that point that others were beginning to mumble. That because they had that kind of faith, others were kind of looking at them side eye. Because they had that kind of faith, people were starting to grumble. Because they had that kind of faith, a group was starting to assemble and get together against them. So much so that the group says, let's stone them. They must be crazy. It must be something wrong with them. That's what an uncommon faith will do. It'll cause others to say, you must be out of your mind. It'll cause others to say, you must have a hole in your head. It'll cause others to say, what do you think, who do you think you are? It'll cause others to say, why do you think God will do it for you when he hadn't done it for me? It'll cause others to say, okay, go ahead on, but don't come back to me if you fail. It's that kind of faith that God wants to operate in. It's that kind of faith that God wants to prove that he's Lord in. It's that kind of faith that God is ready to move in. And so we need to employ, we need to employ an uncommon faith. Listen to what the scripture says in Numbers 32 and 11. It says, surely none of the men who came up from Egypt from 20 years old and above shall see the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob because they have not wholly followed me except Caleb, the son of Jephthah, the Kizite, and Joshua, the son of Nun, for they have wholly followed the Lord. Important, twice in this, in this scripture, it says, for they have wholly followed me. They have wholly followed the Lord. There must be something about wholly following the Lord. Not wholly, but wholly, fully following the Lord. Now, last example. This reminds me of when I was a little boy, and my friends were outside playing, and so I wanted to go outside and play. So I go outside and play for a little while, but it was kind of hot outside, and so I come back inside and get get in the air conditioning for a little while, and then I go back outside and play for a little while, and then I go back inside and get a toy and take it back outside and go back inside, and my parents says, "Hey, in or out." In or out, in or out. Either you're going to stay in or you're going to stay out. 
And this reminds me of God. God is saying, me or man, me or man, me or man, either me or man, but one or the other. God is saying, me, have faith in me or have faith in yourself. Have faith in me or faith in yourself, one or the other, but pick, because the scripture says God doesn't like a lukewarm person. The scripture says it makes God literally want to throw up. It literally says that God can't stand us being lukewarm. And God is looking for those of us and wants to bless those of us that will be hot on fire for him. Those that will be committed to him. Those that will, 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 will live for Jesus Christ. I saw a guy at the, uh, we went to Bailey's game yesterday. I saw a guy, he had on a Jesus t-shirt and it just said Jesus. And I, I was like, I love it, brother. It's no doubt about who you belong to, Amen. And I wonder when people look at our lives. I wonder when people see our walk. I wonder when people hear our talk. I wonder, do they know whose side we are? I wonder, do they know that we belong to the Lord? I wonder, do they know that we're either in or we're out? Are we in or are we out? And, and so that's my question to us. Are we in or are we out? Do you, is your faith in or is your faith out? Is your faith for real or is it kind of peeping a little bit? Is your faith trusting God or is it like, I don't know what to do? And, not, and I'm not saying that, it, that we don't go through some struggles and I'm not saying we don't go through some hard times. But what I am saying is it's going to take an uncommon faith to get to that promised land situation. It's going to take an uncommon faith to get that blessing. It's going to take an uncommon faith to get that, that business. It's going to take an uncommon faith for the relationship to get over that hill. It's going to take an uncommon faith for those finances to finally get together. It's going to take an uncommon faith. The Lord is looking for those who would wholly follow him. The Lord, there's a scripture, and I like it, that says that the eyes of the Lord are looking to and fro to see those that are loyal to him. God is looking for those who are loyal to him so that he can bless those and he can be all that they stand in need of. God is looking at his people. And he wants to be, he's looking for someone who's wholly devoted to him. He's looking for someone that is wholly following him. He's looking for someone that is in or out. In or out. Are we in him or are we out? God is ready to bless those who are in. Caleb and Joshua, because they were in, got to see the promised land. All the other ten spies did not. Their children did, but they did not. And God is ready to bless me and you. If we will exhibit and if we will employ a, 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 an uncommon faith, God is ready to move in our lives. God is ready to bless in our lives. But we got to make sure that we are on point for God and that we are devoted to him and that even when it's not a good day, we still love him. That even when we don't see the answer when around the bend, we still trust him. Even though it's not maybe happening as fast as we thought, we're not giving up on him. Why? Because we're in or out. We're in God. Let's fully employ our faith and let's love God with all of our heart. And let us give up. Let us give up the language of grumbling and leave it to others. Amen. Hallelujah. Let us pray. Father, we thank you, God, for this message. A very clear example of what can happen if we grumble and complain against you, if we don't believe you and if we don't have faith. But God, it is your desire to bless us. It is your will. The promised land was just that, promised to them. 
All they had to do was imply uncommon faith, and they could possess it. Perhaps there's somebody in the room today, God, that needs to employ an uncommon faith. 